0: Welcome, you are tuning into Organon, the official podcast of Ology Research Group, exploring contemporary social issues via data insights and change. On the 6th of November, over 1,200 candidates ran for seats in the House and Senate. On this episode, we come together to answer the question, does it even matter? Recording from the East Coast, we have myself, Carl, and Jasmine. And recording from the West Coast, we have
1: Casey in the House. (laughs) <laughs> and Courtney.
0: Casey, take it.
1: Uh, so, I'm going to make a position that voting does not count. Courtney?
2: Uh, I says it depends what state you're in and which election.
3: Leonard Mandis? Voting matters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think... I think that I'm not really familiar with um, the entire voting system, but I think um, that perhaps the electoral college should be revisited. So I think having like certain things where um, that kind of alter the, the, like people's aggregate decision, I think kind of skews it in a way.
1: Well, here's why I don't think it counts because a lot of things are against when it comes to voting first of all interest groups and um, major corporations they have a lot of power so they put invest a lot of money into the political system to influence the way we see things so already they have an upper hand second thing is depending where you live in the states or cities your vote does not matter as much so we live in LA in New York there's so many liberals that each vote that we create, someone who lives in North Dakota or Montana, they have a more powerful voice with their, each of their vote. And with the, when they elect the representatives and the state senators, those people have more power over our everyday policies. So, um, and then on top of that, um, there's a lot of, uh, voter suppressions, things that Republicans have been doing that so a, like, if you're a minority and you're uneducated or you don't have as much power as so, say someone who is uh, lives in the conservative Bible Belt who has more power- influence
0: hmm. that's an interesting point so you're saying that by living in a densely populated urban area that our our vote, votes are kind of weighed down a little bit as opposed to um people who are from um less densely populated rural conservative states absolutely so then when uh when i went to go vote um last week um i realized that on the ballot there was something from new york state that um, something about like passing a new a, a new law that limits the amount of money that can be taken from a corporate entity what do you guys think about that because that kind of could uh, that that ki-
1: unconst- mm. wouldn't that be unconstitutional according to Citizens United the Supreme Court says that organizations are people and thus you can't limit the the power their uh, political donations and contributions
0: do, what do you think about that? do you think that in in the case of donating um, for people who are running for office that corporations are people or does it sound just like a convenience spin?
1: I'm gonna start recording
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's usually in favor of whoever can get the most money so I think it's probably a convenience spin. Jasmine
3: I would say it depends on. What if it's a private corporation, or if it's a public corporation, and where the monies are going? If you're dealing with like state, federal, or foundational money, I think that that has a greater impact.
1: I mean, one you of can the move money differently. Yeah.
3: Like depending on the type of mon- the type of monies that it is, you can move it differently. So I think. Mm -hmm. that also matters like because it was it depends how they wrote that policy
0: what I don't understand is how how taking money from a corporation that has a very specific political interest is not a conflict of interest like what why like like how is how is that not conflict of interest
3: People are I feel been like, doing it all along
0: no I know but like what what makes it okay and in any other situations it would it would be a conflict of interest
3: they just probably make sure that they meet all the requirements and if you meet all the requirements it's kind of yeah but way. I think
2: with with also that I feel like with all of the propositions and everything that gets pushed through I think a lot of people base their, votes on the people who back the propositions for yes or for no and things like that because not a lot of people have the time to go through each and every one of those things and then also find a non-biased like informational overview of it because everything's going to be skewed so you have to read both sides so let's say you're maybe I would say probably an average American, you look at who's sponsoring each one and go, okay, well, I know I like what this organization has done, so I'm probably gonna go in this way. And I think people get skewed by the people who sponsor different opinions.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I also think money speaks in terms of propositions because there is a significant mm-hmm. significance between how much they spend and whether or not the proposition passed. So for example, The Proposition 10 in California, it was to um, restrict the amount that um, renters can uh, increase the rent of the mountain lease, so it it controls the rent, Mm -hmm. but the realtors didn't like that, so they spent millions and millions of dollars voting against that, and it didn't pass, even though that was a a policy that would help everybody in the long term.
0: You mean they spent millions and millions of dollars bribing the right people so that it doesn't pass? Exactly. Okay, so then how is that not conflict of interest? That's what that was going to back my, to my point. You right. See
1: what I'm saying? That's, yeah, it is conflict of interest. That's why I'm saying the votes don't <laughs> count. That's why you agree with me. A vote don't count. <laughs> and also, like, um, it doesn't. Like, we're not a direct democracy. That's the first of all. Like, yeah. we are a republic, which means that we elect people to vote on our behalf. So what really works is really.
0: So I, yeah. I like that I like that you mentioned that. So can you can you explain what that means a little more? But we are a
1: republic. What is that? Well, is not United. States, are we a republic? Yeah, we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so we don't, for example, uh, except for city and state governments. I've been in cities. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't make a, a, we don't our, our policies are made by people we like to represent us. So we elect senators and representatives to make laws, and they make laws, and they're signed by the three of governments. So that's all we do. We just elect them to make our policy. A direct democracy is every decision is made by the will of the people, like majority rule. And that's not functional because we have way too many people who have way too many different interests. And then when you have a direct democracy, that means the minorities will always, their voices will always be silenced. So, um, so we only vote because we want people to believe in the system of democracy. But reality is, we don't have any say. People like um, George Bush, uh, Cruz, um, Obama, you know, Hillary—they have more power, power than we will ever have because they have, they know a lot of the right people, the right people in the government, interest group. Those are the power that we don't see in our system. We just think that we elect them democratically when we don't
0: mm-hmm. so then That's is, is that a is that a problem that warrants fixing or is that just how it
1: is i don't know what do you guys think <laughs>
2: uh i feel like it probably everything i think we've talked about it previously but everything's like a pendulum slip like shift of a certain thing so Everyone will react one way and then it'll kind of swing in the other direction. So I definitely think a disruptor would benefit. We would benefit. But it's hard because everyone's so used to being so far left or so far right, like becoming in the middle. is becoming more of the conversation, but it doesn't feel close.
0: Yeah, I feel like being in the middle doesn't work for either party mm-hmm. because no matter where you are, you're too far left or too far right, no matter what. To the people mm-hmm. who are perceivably too far left and too far
1: right already. What if that's a false economy that we're presented with? That there's us versus them, left versus right, when in reality that's that's just like um, a false narrative that the people in power are creating so we can believe in them. But in reality, you know, like, here's a, here's a, here's a, uh, here's a good example of false narrative. Gun rights. Like, there's such a huge, 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 like, Belief in it and pro versus anti guns, but when you ask people certain questions like, "Do you think there should be a regulation?" Ninety percent of Americans think there should be. Mm-hmm. And w- when you ask them, like, "Should we remove guns from people in general?" Majority of people don't think you should remove it. But the media and people in power are saying, "Oh, well, if you're pro guns, then you we must be bleep this and that, or if you are anti gun, you must be crazy liberals and that and that." And then you kind of, you kinda, you're seeing people as enemies when in reality is like we're just trying to make a living and just provide for our family and think that killing other people is not right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. So the way that the, like, the way that the media portrays what it is, it's kind of, it can um, make people go in either direction. Right.
1: Yeah. Like you know, this a guy hitting behind the curtains, pulling out the levers, and he's distracting all these nonsense that doesn't make sense. Like, and then we're we're missing the larger picture, which is we all have more in common than we do as separate. But
3: mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. when you talk about narrative, two people don't want you to think about similarities; they want you to think about your differences. So that's how politicians gain control as well. It's like, how are we all different? And how do we, you know, these, the other, the other person, the others instead of that. So I think that you're, I see Casey, you have a a light bulb going on.
1: <laughs> I, I have a question <laughs> with you guys.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Regarding differences in common narrative, commonalities, who do you think is, is what do you think is better, the more effective message relating to this election? Like people who like say, oh, they're evil Democrats, you can come and vote or... progressive democrat saying hey we want this and this we're all similar than different like what why what do you think was the more effective narrative in this last midterm election
0: you mean in terms of the the type of campaigns like oh Mm -hmm. don't vote for him he's an he's a dick vote for me as opposed to vote for me i have good values you know like Uh that (laughs) i mean i think the um the this guy's got a stain on him thing is effective because people i mean people will they won't question it they're not going to investigate um you know whether or not it's actually true they'll believe it or they'll at least it'll be like on the back burner as like a potential thing that's maybe true and if you know if it's between um like if you're a democrat and it's between two democratic candidates you're probably going to go with the one that doesn't have a stain on them or at least doesn't have this thing that everyone knows about.
2: Yeah, because unfortunately, right, like when you're in the mid or you're in the election phase, you can't, there's a lot of things that you can say, but you haven't done anything because you haven't been in that position yet. So it's based off your moral character to a certain degree. Like, yeah, you have your, your resume and things, but no one's going to, I don't think unless you have the dollars to broadcast what your resume is, a lot of people don't take it into consideration
3: hmm that's important too because most people that don't have the funding to to uh, promote their message and mm-hmm. their message is not on national tv or anything like that they're kind of left behind because those are the people that get the most airtime mm-hmm. so i think that's also like a an, equi- an equity thing as well
1: mm. i think inclusion is effective in blue states and attack is effective in red states. You think so? Well, look at the Georgia, Florida, and Texas. Those progressive candidates did, you know, very inclusive messages. Their opponent, the Republicans, were all about aggression and attacking. And it looks like they might win. I mean, th- um, Florida is going to recount, but... Send the Cruz, who everybody hates, somehow <laughs> eked <eat> out a victory <laughs> over Betty O'Rourke, who had an inclusive message. It was like, what, 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 what happened? Everybody hates every-
2: it in your circle, probably. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Everybody hates Ted
0: Ted Cruz except for Texans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I mean, like, he's not the he's the most he's not memorable. He's not quotable. No one's like following him. They're more like making fun of him. Mm-hmm. That's not I- just like.
2: That's what you're exposed to, though. It's not like, that's how, like, Trump won. It's just not what you're exposed to. Mm. So everyone you're going to be friends with is probably going to have similar opinions to you. Because I don't think you go out of your way to go, devil's advocate, let's be friends. Let's talk about this for an hour when this guy's, like, yelling at you. I'm sure that's not how your everyday interactions are going like you could if you wanted to add that little more stress to your
3: life but it's just not practical Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like ted cruz is also getting votes from like the generation x and the boomers as well so Mm -hmm. that's also important to note you're kind of waiting for people to die (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah
0: i mean i think over time people's values will will change you know what i mean so i mean who knows what will look like because at one point democrats and republicans we were one party right back in like Lincoln. at what point like back in, in back in 200 years ago back in like lincoln's era yeah but you know i'm sure that it'll continue to change i i don't know if we're just gonna have two parties in another 100 years it might be two completely different parties who knows
1: Actually, we've been having two parties since the, the dawn of American uh, history. Then I've been Always corrected. Been party. And our democracy is basically built on a two-party system. And it actually, dwarfs and third-party uh, institutional the way we're structured, it's all about two parties. That's why we're not a parliament, because in parliament, there are multiple parties. And we don't really know the they're more effective than direct democracy. But at least for the U.S., two-party system works-ish.
0: Well, you're saying that our votes don't count.
1: Exactly. (laughs) It doesn't. (laughs) So maybe (laughs) we need need parliament, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird. (laughs) For most of the the democratic countries in the world today, they're mostly parliaments. They're not a two-party system. I can't think of any other state that's a two-party system. I mean, on top of my head.
0: Is Colombia a two-party system? I don't know. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm trying to go through the countries like Australia, North no, Korea.
1: I'll... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a tea party. Maybe <laughs> South Korea.
2: It says Jamaica
1: and Malta. Google it. Wow. <laughs> that's just not even a, not no. According yeah, so brilliant. majority of people. No.
3: Yeah. I
2: Googled it. Yeah. The only way I could have participated we're, in we're this not conversation. A, we, you know
0: what? You know, if there's one thing that <laughs> we're saying. not, <laughs> there's one thing we're never allowed to say anymore is, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do I was like, I'm to answer.
2: thinking about it. Let me Instead, just we say, give me a sec. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: All right, cool. We are at the 18 minute mark in the episode. Do you guys want to move on to rock, paper, scissor? Final question? That's yes, my Sure. Know. All right, let's do it. Ready? Rock, paper, Rock, scissors, paper shoot. scissors, shoot. Okay, Jasmine, you're out. Well, she's either out or we give it to Jasmine. We'll
1: give it to her.
0: Okay. I feel like we give it to Jasmine. All right, go for it.
3: <laughs> okay, so for our listeners today, what are, what do you think they should do knowing if, if voting counts or voting doesn't count? What are some advice that you have for our listeners in terms of the future and what they should start thinking about?
2: Courtney? Uh, I would say be informed before you vote. And even if you feel like it doesn't matter if everyone decides that at one time, then you're going to be in a very poor predicament when no one votes. And then it's up to a few people to make the decision that you feel like everyone would have done anyways. So just as your civic duty, I would go out and vote because yeah, maybe it might not feel right at this moment, but if everyone decided to feel that at the same time, it probably wouldn't work out for you in your favor because you didn't participate.
3: Thank you. Mr. Shap.
1: Go to a red state and start voting because that's when it counts. Also, I have a quote from a very famous world leader. The best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter. Bam! Deep. Winston Churchill.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. And for me, I think that, well, maybe this is slightly off topic, but I think we should, that we would have more voter turnout if people were allowed to vote online. And people are like oh well what about voter fraud and blah 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 but you can do a whole bunch of stuff that requires sensitive information online anyway like doing your taxes which you can do online so why not just be able to vote online you get more for a voter turnout that way um but i think that even even if you don't feel like your voice counts like casey says just vote anyway because you don't want someone else speaking for you and also be uh, very cautious about what you see on TV, not everything is um, not everything that you see is true. Um, so just be informed, do your homework, and you know choose the person whose values and decisions more accurately reflects what you do if you were in power.
3: Thank you. I say do all of the above that was mentioned, and in addition to that, you have to. Wake up that day, read up on the people that you are particularly looking into. Make sure you, that you understand how that's going to affect the long term goals of the state or country where you live in. And, and if, aside from that, you need to make sure that you take action because your vote matters. And for many folks that are minorities, they've never had the opportunity to vote before. Um, and so, three generations now you have the, the right to vote and that's something that is a great privilege now for many folks and for others it's always been a privilege so mm-hmm. something to consider as well
0: yep okay great well thanks for that and now we'd like to turn to our listeners what do you think any ideas for what you'd like to hear on the show Make sure to drop us a line at InfoologyResearchGroup.org and also make sure to check out our website, ologyresearchgroup.org to learn about our awesome services. Take care.